What up, Grizz Nation? Welcome to the East Coast Grizzlies podcast. Isaac Buchanan is with you, David. Off tonight, so a two-person team tonight, man. But it's a parade inside my city. Yeah, that's the Grizzlies. That's the Grizzlies defeat the, the Atlanta Hawks, one twenty-three to one nineteen. Man, been a while uh, since the Grizzlies won a road game in a team at or above five hundred. Man, so it was good to see that tonight. So they kind of kind of broke that streak. Um, uh, must needed win after Sacramento get the win last night, move back in one and a half of the Grizzlies. So the Grizzlies would have win tonight. Needed this one, moved back to two games above. Uh, Sacramento for that second seed. So, what what did you think about the game tonight, Candice? I I thought it was a a good win, but there are some some things I want to discuss that that not so good trends that we kind of said we were going to be looking at going into these going down the stretch of these games. Yeah, uh, I'll I'll start with some good. I'll start I'll start with positive. John Morant was back and starting. That's important to mention in this game. Oh, he was his first game back. He played twenty nine minutes tonight. So I think they they talked about getting him in the high twenties. Seems like they met that exact mark and where they wanted to. I'm pretty sure as the season progresses, they'll probably be increasing all of their minutes. As uh, Jaron played thirty four minutes tonight, I think they may be starting that ramp up towards playoff minutes. Uh, we might see that uh, more for all of the for the big three at least. Um, getting them comfortable incrementally as they get close to the playoffs. But um, 27 points from Ja. Uh, he, was, he was 9 for 17. Uh, you know, he, missed, he missed two free throws tonight. But overall, you know, I, I think pretty good game. Six assists, um, one turnover. So so for him, pretty good game. Uh, we'll, we'll get into some of the other stuff that I, you know, didn't like for him. But Ja's going to be Ja. He's going to have those highlight plays. He's going to, you know, you saw a little bit of mid-range from him, which you always love to see. Um, I thought Dez was had a really strong game today, fifty uh, percent from three himself, um, eleven for eighteen from the field. You're really getting to see those those layups go in for him more often. You know, um, I think we talked about that a while ago and how he wasn't finishing as well at that point. Yeah. But you can see that he's figured out those angles. You can see, you can tell, like he just he he just gotten in a rhythm with it, and um, it's working really well. Um, him attacking the basket and things like that. He had five assists himself tonight. Um, so really good game from him on all ends. Um, you know, Dylan wasn't able to play much because he was in so so much foul trouble. So yeah, <laughs> that was <laughs> tough tough game for Dylan for sure. Um, <laughs> and Jaron had 15 points. Uh, you know, I think he could have had a lot more. Um, he didn't really get a lot of touches in the second half. Um, we'll talk a little bit more about that later. But uh, last person I want to shout out is Luke Kennard, who just continues to be. He just continues to win my heart. <laughs> he wins my heart. Uh, he had a really good game. Um, he played a lot more in that first half, but he was fifty percent from the field. He had fourteen points. Uh, him and Tyus were lighting it up in that first half. Really, yeah, put the, put their foot on the gas and, and and made it tough on that whatever is left of the Atlanta defense. <laughs> it's not, it's not a yeah, lot not there, much, but... not much. That's that's for sure. Not at um... all. <laughs> Not at all, but but man, uh, so that's pretty much my overall thoughts on the game. You, you got to see some of your big three shine. You got to see some good from Luke Kennard. That's always going to be a, a win for the Grizzlies and for them to get the win on the road when they've struggled on the road so much. I think they won the last three or four on the road. Um, so even despite the opponents, I think that's a big deal for them momentum-wise and, you know, mentally going to the playoffs. Yeah, man, definitely a, a lot of good stuff um, in, in this game. And I talk about John Moran. He back in the starting lineup tonight and look like it looked like John Morant, man, 29 minutes for 27 points in 29 minutes, almost a point a minute, uh, three rebounds, six assists, only one turnover, had a steal, super efficient, uh, nine of 17 from the field, uh, did go 0-3 from three, but was good from the free throw line, nine of 11. He got 
fouled on a three-pointer. That's not something that you see a lot from John Moran. He stepped up to the line and knocked down all three. Um, I was really, really happy to see that. Uh, but it was just just John man, being John, man. Some highlight finishes, as you expect from him. You're talking about Desmond Bain, man. Another big game for him, 25 points, three rebounds. He had five assists. You always love to see those those are big assist numbers for, for Desmond Bain and his ever-evolving playmaking. He's also super efficient, 11-18, 50% from three at three for six uh, in 34 minutes. Uh, Dylan Brooks uh, just in foul trouble all night, but offensively in his minutes, man, he, he played really well. Uh, he knocked down two threes, two or three. Uh, those were his six points in the game. A couple of rebounds, five assists from him as well uh, for, for yeah. Dylan Brooks, uh, two or four from the field. So uh, really, really good for him outside of the, the, the foul trouble that he was in. Uh, Jaron Jackson Jr., like you said, 15 points, eight rebounds, five blocks. Uh, one of the best blocks I ever saw in the John Collins play on a wild play. Um, I, I don't know if I've ever seen a team get two texts on a play, and then they call for the review, and they overturned the call, but they still honored the text. That was wild. And I, I put it out when it happened. I was like, watch them overturn this call, man, but they keep keep the text. I mean, you, you're you going to give out text for a call that you go back and admit that you blew. Like, that's just – doesn't sit right, right with me. That's a weird, weird situation there, man. But a, a hell of a play by by Jerry Jackson Jr. at the rim. He's the defensive player of the year. I don't think there's any question. I, I don't even know why you look at Vegas right now. For some reason, they have Brooke Lopez as a favorite. Jerry uh, is second. I, that's real. That's real. Yeah. So I, I, I thought it was fake. But seriously, as, as I'm hearing more people talk about this, they're giving Brooke the nod. And yeah, I, they're 100% off. I, I don't under, I really don't understand. If you look at the counting stats, you look at the advanced stats, there's no category with which Jared does better. And what's interesting is I've actually watched the video. I saw a video on YouTube from a guy, uh, Rusty Buckets. He's a popular YouTube guy on on um well, no, obviously on YouTube, but but anyway, he was breaking down and his logic, he mean he gave Brooke the nod, and his logic is you could talk about he mentions that Jaren's more versatile. Right. He mentions that Jaron <laughs> is often put in positions, sometimes that are poor positions, because the rest of his team, there aren't great defenders outside of Dylan Brooks. He talks about all of these things and then he still gives Brooks the nod. Like I don't <laughs> I don't Wait, you, like, switch, you you switch you switch Brooke Lopez, Lopez on to Kyrie Irving and see what happens. Right. Like he ain't he ain't switching on to on to no guards and, and making any plays. And then you talk about a guy that has Giannis next to him, and also Drew Holiday, who's one of the best defenders yes. in the league. So I mean, it's not even it's not even a conversation. I don't even know why we even talking about this. They might as well hand him the trophy now, in my, my opinion. But it's I think there's it's definitely bias. It's, I think yeah. I, I legitimately think it's a chance Jaron doesn't win it, and and that, I do too. Uh, that upsets me. That when it comes me. to grit, yeah, when it comes to grit, is winning awards. I'm always super cautious. I never get overconfident because I've just seen it happen time and time again. I'm still shocked that he made. The all-star team. Not that I don't think he deserved it. I just, when I think back on it, I still can't believe that they gave him that spot over guys like it. And they didn't deserve it. But Anthony Davis, just because he plays for the Lakers, a lot of Lakers fans were pissed off saying that didn't make any sense. I mean, this guy's been in and out of the lineup all year. You talk about what Jaron Jackson Jr. has done. It's proven on the offense end and what he's doing on the defensive end. I mean, he deserved that all-star nod, but I'm, I'm still shocked that he got it, man. But if they see him out of his defensive player of the year award, man, I don't, know what to say. Uh, like I said, Brooke Lopez is not even the best defender on his team, no. in, in my opinion. So it's ridiculous to see that. But yeah, man, going back to the game tonight, 6 of 10, but only 10 field goal attempts. I think that's the number that stands out to me. You won't dead up around 17 or 20. Like yep. He needs to have double the amount of shots that he had tonight. And that's one of the things that we said we were watching when, when Ja 
gets more comfortable and gets back in the starting lineup where they're going to continue to feed him. In the first half, I thought they did a good job of it. But in the second half, they really kind of went away from him. And I don't know. I, I was talking about this on Twitter, and some people kind of said, well, it's because you, you had Capella inside, and he's is a really good defender. And he's we talked about Jaron kind of struggling against guys that, that are really good defensively inside and that that was part of it. But I, I still think they should have gave him more attempts. He still wasn't getting the looks. It wasn't like he was – they were feeding him, and then it wasn't working. Because, I mean, even like you look at it now, he's 6-10 from the field, I mean, that's super efficient. So I, I, I don't like that trend. Hopefully they're just kind of working through some things. But those that's one of the things that I was really going to be paying attention to when John came back in. And back in the sideline for the first night, it didn't go well as I, I would have liked. But still, even now, a bad game for Jerry. You got 15-8, three steals, five blocks, uh, knocked down a three, uh, two or two for the free throw line, 36 minutes, 34 minutes. Um, X, man, X had struggled a little bit. Uh, had a really, really good game tonight. I mean, he got a really good game. I think they're in the third quarter. Uh, they made a couple of finishes at the basket, a couple of really good cuts to the basket. They were to finish. He had 15 points, eight rebounds, three assists, three steals, two blocks. Man, seven to ten from the field. Man, he's just doing it, doing it all tonight. And it's just amazing that a guy that was your fourth big prior to Brandon Clark going down for the season that can step in and give you this kind of effort, give you this kind of production. That's not something that you're going to, See on most teams, most teams. So I give a shout out to X. I mean, this was a guy at the beginning of the season that they were saying that wasn't going to even be in the, in the rotation. He volunteered to go down to G League, and now he's getting an opportunity with the injuries we had. So I'm, I'm happy for him, man. Always has the right attitude, always says the right things, man. Just an ultimate team player, and I'm glad that they didn't move him. Glad he got the opportunity to stick around. He's getting an opportunity to play some major minutes here, man. He's producing probably to the max of his ability. Yeah, it's really interesting. I. You know, X did have a great game, so I got to give him his props. It, it seems like what the Grizzlies did was they substituted the touches that they were given to Jaron in the first half, and they gave them to Xavier Tillman. Because going into halftime, Xavier Tillman only had two attempts, and now he got the 10, right? And so he had two attempts in the first half, and Jaron had three attempts in the second half. And so I think they kind of flipped that. I'm not sure if it was, you know, a coach's call, maybe, that they decided to. Maybe they saw something, Xavier being free, uh, yeah, or open or something like that. It it worked, um, but it makes me nervous, man. Now you need, now to Ja, I will give Ja this. I did see a few attempts where he attempted to give Jaron the ball, and either it be on on the perimeter and he get kind of offensive foul, or you know just something something bad would happen. I hope that doesn't deter Ja from continuing to look for him because I think those were just kind of one off random type situations, and I wish that they would give him the ball more. You know at least at the free throw line. I mean, even if it's not an official yeah. pass, man, give him something where he's the, he doesn't have to create off the dribble from the perimeter all of the time. It can't just be those kind of looks, man. And it's that in lobs. Um, you know, really hoping they develop that a little bit more. Uh, they start, they find a way to give Xavier those post touches and they don't give him the ball on the perimeter. So I'm just saying whatever you do for Xavier Tillman, apply that to Darren Jackson Jr. But we'll continue to watch this trend. It'll be something I'm watching closely for sure because I think it's the difference between them winning in the first fourth quarter and not. And I think this game didn't have to be close. This game didn't have to be close. Even the fact, despite the fact that they got out-rebounded, Pretty dramatically. Um or Yeah, with well, plus minus nine. Yeah. yeah. Fourteen to six. Fourteen to six on the offensive rebound boards. They've they've been getting beat up on offensive rebounds for a while. That's just yeah. not having Steven Adams, man, that's that's gonna be the case. There are times like in the first half, I mean, it just didn't seem like the Grizzlies were putting in the effort. They were just flat footed, watching the ball come out the rim and 
offense seemed like they wanted it more. The Grizzlies were still up. It just that just shows you the talent difference. The Grizzlies are just flat out a better basketball team than the Hawks, and it's, the Hawks are playing well. I think the Hawks probably played to their maximum ability. The Grizzlies mm-hmm. not even close tonight, and still were able to win this game. Uh, kind of go back to your point about Jared and, and, and some of the mishaps when when they did give him the ball. Jared had four turnovers tonight. There were times where they did get him the ball, and he had to try to create out the dribble. And yep. he had some turnovers, got got stripped on some of those plays. And like you said, I still I hope that doesn't deter them from keep feeding him the ball. As you said, feed him closer to the basket from the free throw line in yep. um, where he doesn't have to try to create from the three-point line and, and drive into to the basket. Because, again, from a big man seven foot tall, having to dribble like that, you got guards coming in, swiping at the ball. There are going to be times where he's going to turn the ball over, and we saw that tonight a few yeah. times. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Especially, it's not just simple as he got to create out the dribble, but then he's got to, you know, if, early in the game, they were double teaming Jaron. And so, man, I thought about this before, but when he learns how to pass out of that, that's going to be incredible. But in the meantime, uh, I think that some of his turnovers came from that. And, you know, he did have the one offensive foul that was a little uncharacteristic. We hadn't seen Jaron just stick a shoulder in somebody and try to bulldoze him over in a minute, but he, he did that tonight. Um, so, anyway, you know, we'll continue to monitor it. While the one game is not everything, you know, it was concerning trend for me. And something else I saw down the stretch that was concerning for me was the jaw iso ball, man. Yeah, went back to it. Went back, went back. Everybody's just cleared out and it's just jaw. And he got stripped. He got stripped. That yeah. Was turnover. He got, because it was, it was so predictable. It was so, and, and so it just, it lets me know we we've always attributed to Taylor Jenkins. And it's a, it's the coach's ultimate responsibility to make sure that plays are being called and things. He's you can see Taylor Jenkins got better at calling, making plays, things like that. That applies to Ja too. He's not above the coaching. You know what I mean? So you got to be able to coach him up to do what you want in those final in those final minutes. Just the same, it can't just be up to ja, for Ja to do just what Ja wants to do all the time because what Ja wants to do no longer works. Every team knows what he's doing, and it's not effective. There was no motion. And that, and it's and I'll, I'll just add this to the next point and let you let you go from here. But the the other thing I noticed when it comes to the motion, Luke Kennard is the motion guy. He's the one who's going to be moving whenever you put him in the game. It's always motion. I've never seen really Luke since he's gotten comfortable in these recent past week and a half. When Luke's in the game, man, he's moving and it forces everybody else to move. You need that in the fourth. So they didn't really play Luke Kennard, but two minutes in the fourth quarter. And I think that was a factor too. Yeah, I, I hated to see that. I, I wish you had him in down the stretch for a lot of reasons, like you said, for his movement, and, and that gets everybody else moving. Also, his ability to knock down shots, obviously, and also he's like a 90-plus percent free throw shoot. So yeah. you having him in the game in, in those clutch situations and late-in-game situations, I mean, just helps in a lot of areas, and I was kind of surprised they didn't have him in the game down the stretch. I, I noticed that, too, and didn't didn't like that. Uh, but as far as, as far as this team, I, I kind of tweeted about this earlier, um, when when you have job, like you said, I was hoping that Taylor Jenkins didn't kind of fall back into to those old habits, and, and I you kind of saw that tonight because it, it's to the point. Okay, this is the franchise, this is the superstar player. When he's out there in the clutch situations, we're just gonna give him the ball, tell everybody to clear out, and tell him to go make a play, and that just doesn't work anymore. The last couple of years it worked, but teams are sitting on that now, and. When he does that, it causes people to stop moving, like you said, and yep. that's when his offense becomes extremely predictable and easily defensible. And this is what we saw during their downturn when he was losing all those games. This is yep. what the, well, that's what the offense looked like. It wasn't as bad tonight, but like you said, I mean, if you're going to get a better opponent, that can 
come back and bite these teams with a better defense. But the Hawks are so bad defensively that they were able to get away with some of the stuff. But they, they had been playing a better team, say, I don't even know the Nuggets or somebody. You're not gonna get you're not gonna get away with that type of stuff. Mm-mm. So, um, and you just hope that they're they're evolving. I know they it's a, a transition, like you said, getting job back into it. One positive we talked about on the last podcast is is Tyus Jones. Um, and him kind of being different, whereas he's starting on the bench. So far, so good on that. Um, a, a big game for him tonight, man. Thirteen points, two rebounds, five assists, five of eight out, five of eight for field, knocked down two. I um, mean, 23 minutes plus three, a really, really good game from Tyus, man. What, what did you think about Tyus' game tonight? Man, it, it was it was best you could ask for, for him coming off the bench. He was super efficient, super effective um, down the stretch for you. So that's a big deal, He, he you know, especially, like I said, that first half when he really had the opportunity to really to really get going. I think you didn't get as much out of him in the fourth quarter, but it was hard to because, you know, he didn't really play much the third. They continue to see that trend back and job pretty much playing. Apparently he didn't play the whole third, but he played most of yeah. that's for sure. Um, and so I think that takes, I think that kind of takes other players, other guards out of their rhythm a little bit. Um, but anyway, Tyus, a uh, great game. Got to give him a shout out. I really hope to see this continue because they're going to need that down the stretch. That, that one-two punch with Tyus and Kennard, uh, they can keep. I'm not. You don't expect necessarily expect. You know, Tyus to. Well, actually, I kind of expect them to have double digits. It's kind of what you want. Yeah, he, yeah. You said he needs to give you at least ten. Yeah, man, cause they they need that scoring out the bench. I know you had Kennard and he's giving them uptick, but especially in the playoffs, man, you need ten points. Yeah, um, out of Tyus, and he was able to go north of that tonight. So that was really good to see him be able to do that off the bench. Uh, but I I do want to touch on some of the negatives, and we kind of. Segwayed with, with with that right there, talking about Ja and him being back. Um, Shy, Shy Brown, shout out to Shy Brown, uh, kind of pointed out. I tweeted out that Ja played the whole fourth quarter, third quarter. I really don't remember him coming out. Maybe he did, but I, I thought he played the entire third. If he did, if he did, it was a very very short it looks, stint. It looks that, like that he, he played. Was, uh, he played nine minutes and thirty eight in the in the third. So yeah, I, I knew it. I knew it had to be most of it. Um, and that's one thing that I felt like was a problem uh, before the incident and job went out is you play him most of all in the third quarter. And then you set him forever in the fourth quarter. I just don't understand that logic. I mean, because you need him on the floor in the fourth quarter, especially in these games that are close, especially these games that you're not a big in. Why can't you stagger those minutes? I, I don't understand why you, I know third quarter has been John's best quarter. And that might be due to the fact that he plays the most minutes in the third quarter. Yeah. That might be kind of the reason why that happens. We always talk about third quarter, John. That might be the reason why. But you kind of saw that happen again tonight. And they go out in their four, early in their fourth quarter, and you don't have Ja, Jaron, or Bain on the floor. And, and they really struggle. Um, you had some, some bad minutes there. I hate to keep piling on John Conchard, but you had some bad minutes there from him. And that lineup, they had no scoring on the floor. Mm-hmm. And next thing you know, you look up and the Hawks are tied the game. And yeah. so that's a, a rotation issue. I heard some people say that they love Taylor Jenkins' rotations tonight. I don't I don't know about that, man. Yeah. I felt like he kind of resorted back to some things, some bad habits that we had seen before back when they were struggling. I think we saw that again tonight, and that was a trend that we didn't want to see them go back in that direction. And they, they kind of creep back in that tonight. So we'll, I'll watch it going forward. But it, it happened again tonight, and that's not the way that I think they need to play it. I will give this caveat. To the to the fourth quarter to quarter thing, you know, it, I will take the the nine minutes because we talked about you know sub them out three minutes earlier, you know, you know, give them that extra rest of time that way. Um, so maybe that's something that he, I mean, he did do the end of the game, so I give him credit for that. Maybe he's on something, man, because John 
given that he didn't play the whole third quarter, the fourth quarter is still a struggle for him. Fourth quarter, he was one of four. Uh, he 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 did all his free throws. We we got, got it out. He had the three, he had made you know on that three point play. Uh, oh one from three was negative five. Uh, one assist because he doesn't pass the ball. I hate to say this because he's the best player. He's a guy that you want out of the floor, especially in the playoffs. But John does. He's got to do better in the fourth man. Like that's that's a problem. I don't know if he's out of gas. I, I don't know what it is, but he has been his worst in the fourth. I think. I, I think I was gonna say I think one reason for that is I think that's where he goes ISO the most when yeah. in, in, those, in those games of four quarters, especially if the game is close. I think he has his mentality. Okay, well I gotta I gotta take over now, and that would be okay. It would be better I'd say if everybody had just sat around and watching, but they were still movement, getting good movement, and he was getting good shots going one on one, and other guys were in positions for in case that doesn't work. But what happens is when he goes into that mode. Everybody else just stops. They just stop playing, sitting around, watching him with their hands on the hip. Got guys in each corner just yep. standing there watching, and that's that's not good, man. And, I, I, and especially without Stephen Adams, uh, that that even makes it worse yeah. because he's not getting the same driving lanes that he used to get when Stephen Adams uh, is, is out there. So, uh, yeah, I, I don't I don't know, man. I just wish, like you said, and I know a lot of people might think this is crazy, but I think Darren is the closer uh, on yeah. this team. I think that's when they're at their best. There are going to be times, and I tweet this out, where especially in the playoffs, there are going to be some times where you're going to need 12 to be 12, call 12 in, in the fourth quarter. You're going to need that. But on a normal basis, teams are going to sit on that, and especially when you talk about half-court basketball, and have to execute out of the half-court, I think it's best for this team to go to Jared uh, late, late in those games because he, he can finish or he's going to get fouled and go to the free-throw line. And that's one thing that I've always loved about Jared is he a big, he's a big man, but – for the most part, he knocks down his free throws. You can trust him at the free throw line, and I think that's the way they need to play it. And, again, it's an adjustment, working him back in. This is the first game he started back, first game he's getting back up to around 30 minutes. So it's going to be an adjustment. But, again, man, through one game, it's just some of those some of those bad habits are creeping back in. And that leads me to my next question. Uh, you got to look at the schedule with the Grizzlies have left here. They have eight games left, four games at home, four games away. Uh, but this schedule is just super, super easy. I mean, you got the Magic on Tuesday night. You got two at home against the Clippers. The, those were without – this was going to be without Paul George, and there's a possibility that Kawhi might not play. He left the game the other night. I don't know what his status is, but he might not even play in those games. Um, you had the Bulls on Sunday. I mean, that's – the Bulls are kind of jacking on high. They can go either way. Sometimes they play really well. Sometimes they look like a lottery team. You never know what you're going to get against them. But you got the Blazers probably with Damian Litter shut down. Um, and then these last three games, you don't know what's going to happen, what's going to be going on as far as injuries, resting guys. But you finish on a three-game road trip at the Pelicans, at the Bucks, at the Thunder. Um, and I asked this question on Twitter the, the other day. Does uh, anybody have any concerns about them not really having any tough competition here down the stretch? You, you're bringing job back. Uh, you're working them back into the starting lineup. But you're doing it. I think it's positive in one way because I think, if you're looking at getting wins and trying to hang on to the two seed, it's really a positive uh, that you're working through to get to work through things against bad teams. But when you think about, okay, when you're getting into the playoffs, you're going to be going against better competition. It's going to be a been a while since you clinched. What, what kind of, what are your thoughts on this schedule being super soft down the stretch? And, and could that have an effect on, especially early on game one, game two in the playoffs with them being so long removed from playing a, a really challenging team? 
Yeah, I think it'll hurt. I think it'll hurt. I was actually one of the people who was excited when I first saw that schedule. And I think I mentioned this when we were talking about the schedule on the podcast. I liked that they were going to be ending the year out with, on paper, stronger playoff contention opponents. Now, that has faded dramatically <laughs> just because <laughs> a lot of teams, a lot of the circumstances have changed on a lot of these teams and it's just completely different now. But um, I was grateful for that stretch and grateful for them to get there, you know, get those reps. Now, the Grizzlies can do themselves a favor by implementing some of the nuances that, that, you know how we talked about that Houston game and how it didn't really matter that it was the Rockets because of how they played, yeah. the moves that they made that, that will translate to the playoffs. Now, if they're going to continue those patterns, if they're going to work on some of that stuff, if Jenkins is going to play around with these rotations, which it seems like he is, that's good. You want to see that. Um, Cause that's how he said he, and I saw a press conference. He said, that's how you got stuck with that kind of trash lineup with no, 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 Jay, <laughs> no, no Jaren, no John, no Bane. Uh, good to know that wasn't intentional, really. But um, but anyway, I think if they're going to play that way, I think it can still work, right? But if they're going to revert back to old habits and do that against these teams, that is the worst possible scenario for the Grizzlies going into playoffs because none of that stuff is going to translate. So it, it, it's I think what we see down the stretch will tell us a lot about the progression of Taylor Jenkins. Like, if he's coaching them up for the playoffs with that in mind, with the things that work, with plays that work, drawing up different things, uh, that could be advantageous. But if he's going to let them just let Ja, let me be specific, do what he wants to do, then I, I think it's going. I think game one's going to be a, a rude awakening for whoever the opponent is. Not going to matter. Yeah, I, I definitely think that that could be the case. Um, you just don't want them to relax, so they'll look at these the schedule and feel like, oh, well, we can just go out there and do anything. We'll we'll win these games. You just don't want to be in that mindset going going into the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I said, it's positive in one way because I think it gives them a really good chance to hold on to the two seed. And I, the way the standards are, are shaking out, I think the two seed is definitely optimal. If you look at the seeds of one, two, three, I yeah. think you'd rather be in the two spot right now. Uh, but it, that's going to be interesting to see, <clears throat> excuse me, how how they play this. Um, I, I really hope they don't continue to, to lean into the die. So lane games may continue to get the basketball to Jared because you want his confidence remain sky high you don't want him to lose any of what he's built up here over the last several weeks because he is what is the key to the ceiling of this team because him being that player Ja is going to be Ja. but in order for this team to really take that next step and be able to team that can be capable of going all the way and making it all the way to june is jerry jackson jr i don't think there's any question about that you need both of those guys playing at a high level so you don't want to turn it back into Ja and jared being this passive guy you want both of those guys at, at optimal levels, and you just don't want to see Jaron kind of losing confidence. If they stop getting him the basketball, he might kind of fall back in yep. some of those habits, start picking up bad fouls again, get frustrated, and you don't want any regression from him at this point. Uh, because, I mean, he's been an absolute monster out there. And, and I've said time and time again, I didn't feel like going into the season, I didn't feel like this team was capable of winning a championship this year. But over the last few weeks, with Jaron doing what he's doing, seeing what Kennard has brought to this team, I've kind of changed my thoughts on that. I feel like if they do the right things, if you can add what what they've been doing while Ja was out, if Ja can come back and be himself outside of 
ISO ball all the time in the fourth quarter and be the fisted, super fisted jaw and, and, and feed Jared. And you had Steven Adams back to this, and that brings the screen setting, the the offensive rebounds where you're getting second second opportunities that this team is used to getting, scoring in the paint. And that you look, you think uh Kennard and Bain are getting wide open shots now. Imagine the shots they'll get with, with Steven Adams uh, out there. So that if they can put all of that together, this team is capable of winning the championship. And coming into the season, I didn't I didn't think that was going to be the case. So you just don't want to see Jerry revert back. So hopefully over these last eight games when we see them continue to feed Jared and get him get him back going. Get him he needs more more than ten shot attempts. Like I want to see him around seventeen to twenty. I think that's where he needs to be at for for this team to 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 be at their ceiling. But wanna send us another shout out to Luke Kennard uh tonight, man. Just just a revelation uh for this team. And talked about him going ten of eleven um in a game against Houston and how I think that would be a big boost to his confidence and a big boost to the team his teammates being confident in him to get him the basketball. And we saw that tonight. I mean, he's not going to go 10 of 11 every night, but he's 4-9, got nine three-point attempts up. And outside of, of Desmond Bain and some bad games from Dylan Brooks, nobody on this team is just getting up nine three-point attempts. And it's good to see a guy doing that efficiently. efficiently. So that just adds just a huge dynamic to this team. And you talked about his rebound, man, seven tonight. Um, and some of them big where he keeps offensive rebounds, where he keeps possessions alive when the team is really struggling offensively. He just seems to have a knack for making plays when they need him. And, and he, nobody's going to look at Luke Kennard and say, oh, he's a big-time rebounder. But he's just a winning player. Like like you said that other night, it just seems that he's always in the mix when you need him. Offensive rebound here, tipping the ball back, just doing different things, getting on the floor. I, I've seen him do a couple times, taking a charge or, or whatever. It just seems like he makes – plays and hits big-time shots, and his confidence seems to be on another level. Uh, coming in here, I'm sure his confidence was probably down a little bit because the Clippers weren't even playing him, which is insane to me. I don't even know what was going on there. But, man, I, I'm glad that we have him on this team. They needed another guy that can knock down shots, and you have him and Bain on the floor. It just puts so much pressure on the defense, and it just opens up the floor for everybody else. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um uh... And yeah, I didn't expect to see seven rebounds from Luke today, but he definitely helped solidify my point. And dare I say, Luke Luke Kennard makes jitty type plays. The plays everybody gives John Conchar credit for, you know, he and he does, right? Those hustle plays. I think you're getting that out of Kennard. It, it's looking like that might be the case, that you might be getting some of that out of Luke Kennard with the higher upside of efficient, potentially high volume, high volume three-point shooting. And that be amazing uh but i want to go back to your point of 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 john and i saw ball you know i had a thought on that one thing and i don't think we'll see it i don't think we'll see taylor jenkins play enough play enough with these rotations uh, to really see this come to fruition but so ja had to when he early on when he started he had to kind of learn in that first quarter you want to get your teammates going he was just kind of go, you know, go for his, be aggressive. And I think he realized that playmaking job, getting everybody going, works better for him to start the game. I think you still want to apply that logic. But I think he needs to take that same logic and apply it to the fourth quarter. Fourth quarter, yeah. That 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 is the best case scenario for the group because we've seen Jaren as a closer, but also early on in the season, Desmond Bain can close just as well. It depends on the matchup, and that's going to be a big deal. But there are some games where Desmond Bain can close you out just as well as Jaron Jackson Jr. can. And I think he needs to take a step back. Now, the opportunity for, in my opinion, the opportunity, the best opportunities for him to 
get his, right? For him to be aggressive, be that guy. Second quarter is a great time to do that. Uh, and then if he had less minutes, he only played like half of the third, he could do that too. And then come back in the fourth, you got your stats, you got your points or whatever. And then let your teammates eat. Like that is the best concept, I think, for the team. But they don't play a job enough in the second for that to really matter. Like they, that right now, the way the rotations are, he doesn't play a lot of minutes in the second half. So that that isn't realistic. But I think it will keep Tyus involved. It may even, that scenario would even get you start a Tyus more like because he's playing, yeah. you know, he might play more minutes in the first. If you don't play him as heavy in the first and you let Tyus take over some of those minutes more, uh, he he's good about getting guys involved. So maybe Jai even doesn't have to worry about that in the first. You know, he's letting Tyus do half the work for that with, with that. Comes in in the second, gets his guys going, gets some momentum going in the second half. He can pick up wherever in the third quarter he's going to play. I don't mind playing him, you know, the first half of the third and then sitting, you know, sitting him for the rest. Let them rest up for the fourth. Get your guys going. And then, man, if the opportunity comes up for you after you've got everybody else going in those last two minutes, if you're busy playmaking in the, for the first, let's say he plays like nine minutes in the fourth. You know, if you're busy spending, if you're busy getting everybody else going and then the last two minutes you want to, I mean, I do ISO ball, but you, I think things will be more open for you then. You can, you can, you, you can get away with that just a little bit better if you were intentional about making the defense focus on the other guys, but focus on you the whole time, it just doesn't work. So I just, I think there's a way they can do it, almost a compromise of sorts. They'd really play around with it where Ja can, you know, I get Ja is very talented. So Ja iso ball isn't really a bad thing. You want a guy who can create. We complain about that yeah. all the time. It's just a matter of how do you balance that. And I think that solution or some version of that would be more beneficial to the team all around. Yeah, it's just more about how and when. I mean, you don't want to take, that away from Ja because I mean right. that's what what he does. I mean that's the player he is. It's just strategically when when should you do it? Yes. And as as you laid out there, I think there's there are ways to to, to play this better than, than kind of what we've seen. Mm-hmm. They just got to try to figure that out. Uh, but one 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 thing I am going to be looking at this team is through the, over the years they've been known to kind of rest guys down the stretch, um, and that's going to be interesting to me as well because. They seem to kind of value resting guys, even over if, if it would. They, it, it comes down to the wire between them and Sacramento for that two or three seed. They would value resting guys over trying to win games. I, I don't necessarily agree with that, but I think we've seen that in the past. And if if they don't haven't turned over a new leaf, I think that's we'll kind of see that again. That's something that we've seen over the years. It just seemed like rest and being healthy. They they seem to not really care about their seeding, but I think especially this year. I think it's big for them to hold on to that two seed. So I hope it, they don't find themselves in a position where they have to win the last game or the last two games and they end up sitting and resting guys because I got a feeling that they'll do that anyway. Um, and so uh, I, me, I wouldn't play it like that. If I need to get a seed, I'm going to try to win those games. But they're kind of more in the vein of we don't care who we play as long as we're healthy going into to the offseason. It's just kind of that new age analytical type thinking. I mean, I think this franchise is on the cutting heads of that. I think they're probably one of the, the, the biggest in the league on on those type of things. So I think if it comes down to that, that's what we see. So I hope it, they don't find themselves in one of those type of situations the last couple of games of the season. Uh, but look at look at do the, t- the team stats here. Well, let me go ahead real quick. Yeah, so so I don't I don't disagree with you. The one thing I will say that goes in the favor of potentially against them doing that is the whole Josh suspension situation. 
because now you're in a situation where one, Jai got risked. Um, two, then you got to reintegrate the team. You got to give Jenkins is trying to, you know, work through these rotations. I mean, even now, like the blip with the rotations that he had, you know, tonight, I think if you're the front office, the lack of chemistry that this team has really gotten to this point and, and when it happened, like it wasn't like, and the team missed a lot. I mean, there wasn't a lot of games where starters played together last year, but I think the timing of when Ja got suspended how much time he had off, and then he spent that time on the bench. It was just so funky that it's possible that they let at least Jai, I think Jai and maybe Jaron, because Jaron, you know, he's been, I don't think Jaron's a guy you want to get out of rhythm. Um, if they rest anybody, I would say Desmond Bain, in my personal Bain, opinion. Yeah. If there was anybody that they were going to rest, you're not going to hear no any complaints from me about Desmond Bain resting a game or two. Now, you don't want to rest him too much because he's a rhythm guy too, but I yeah. think a game or two wouldn't hurt him. I, I think it would still allow for him to be fine going into playoffs, but that may be the one thing that we can see with Luke Kennard. They're trying to figure out where he fits. They've moved him around in the rotation. So it's just a different kind of year, and we might see something different as a result of that. I, I, at least I hope that's the case. Yeah, I hope so. Because, uh, again, I would hate to be in a situation where they end up falling to the three seed because they rest the game and, 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 and end up losing that game down the stretch. Uh, but to run through the team stats here, Grizzlies, 48 of 89 for 53.9%. Atlanta, 45 of 98 uh, for 45.9%. So the Grizzlies outshoot Atlanta overall. Uh, this is a stat here, and you can almost take this to the bank. If the Grizzlies outshoot a team from three, 99% of the time, they're going to win that game. Um, and they do that tonight. They go 13 of 33 for 39.4. Atlanta, terrible from three. They seven of 31 uh, for, for 22.6. So a terrible shooting night for Atlanta. Uh, free throws. Memphis has been better. Uh, not fantastic tonight. They're fourteen to nineteen for seventy-three point seven percent. I think they were like eighty-nine percent or something in their last game against Houston. They've been better there. That's something we know. My shout out to our guy David Williams. No, he tracks. I mean, he's the free throw guy, so I'm sure he's probably been happy as of late. But they've been better. That's something that's good to see. Of yeah, John stepped up and knocked down three. Uh, that's something that usually he's not going to do. Like usually yep. he would have missed one of those free throws. So I was really happy to see him. Knocked down all three, all three of those. Uh, Atlanta, 22 or 26 for 80, 84.6%. A rebounding tonight, not good. Uh, Grizzlies, minus nine overall, uh, minus eight on the offensive boards. Uh, 48 overall rebounds for Atlanta, 39 for Memphis. 14 offensive rebounds for Atlanta, six for Memphis. Um, what else we got here? Fast break points, Grizzlies double them up 24 to 12. Uh, Grizzlies outscored in the paint tonight. Uh, Atlanta did big work in the paint. Grizzlies, not bad themselves at 62, but Atlanta was. 66 uh, points in the paint, and the Grizzlies knocking down, being plus what's that? Plus six in threes, I think, helped them overcome usually what is their strength is outscoring teams in the paint. So um, a much we needed win tonight, like I said, man. Some some negatives in the game, but definitely a lot of positive. And big positive is they needed this win to move back up two full games on Sacramento uh, for for the two seed. Um, so just gotta gotta keep winning these games down the stretch. I, I was looking at Sacramento's schedule. And people are saying the Sacramento schedule is easier. It's really not. I mean, their schedule is pretty easy, too. So I think this is going to be something that, that goes down to the wire. Uh, I, I don't think this is going to be decided in the next couple of games unless Sacramento decides to, to lose a, a, a couple of games that you don't expect them to. I think this is going to go down to the wire. So it's going to be important that the Grizzlies continue stacking these wins. And I'm super impressed with, with their home record. Um, you, you look at Denver. Denver was the second best home record in the league, and you kind of expect that with them having a really good team, and then you're playing at their, playing at altitude, they're yep. used to it. Other teams 
kind of have to kind of get used to that going in there. So you expect them to have this record, but for the Grizzlies to have this got it home record, I mean, the way it looks, they're going to be close to, they're going to have 35 or so wins at home, 36 wins probably by the end of the season. That's just remarkable. And shout out to the Grizz Nations for making one out of one Bill a tough place to play. Yeah. Um, I mean, I mean, it's just amazing what, what they've been able to do on the road this year. Think if they, if they were as good on on the home floor, I mean, on the road as they were last year, they would have won 65 games this year, I guess. Yeah. Uh, so it's, it's, it's amazing, but that's going to play dividends in the playoffs. And that's why you want to make sure you get the two seed because there's a possibility, even if you, you automatically, if you advance, you got home court advantage in the first and second round. But if you are making it to the Western Conference Finals and Denver has somehow been eliminated, which with these teams the way they are in the West, that's, that's a distinct possibility. You could have home court advantage all the way through the Western playoffs, and that would be amazing for this team with what they've done at home. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I just want to piggyback off what you said. I, I think that has a lot to do with, with Grizz Nation and just how, you know, the players are talking about it, just that energy that the fans have been bringing. Uh, Dylan had a quote the other night talking about how they were sold out for a, a random Rockets game. Rockets game, you know I mean? yeah. He was looking forward to the playoffs, but but that's just how it's been. And so I think the players feed off of that that energy that, that Grizz Nation is bringing. So continue to bring that energy, continue to hype this team up. It's really working and it's paying dividends for this team. Yeah, man, just again, man, the Grizzlies win 123-119, a really good victory. They will be back on the home floor on Tuesday night over at 191. Bill taking on the Orlando Magic, another game they'll be – Heavily favored here, man. So hopefully they can they can keep this going, man, and, and get the good vibes going, get keep winning down the stretch and going to the playoffs on a high note. And I, I don't really have anything else. Do you have anything else you want to touch on before we get out of here? No, I think that's it, man. All right, man. Well, let us know where they can find you. All right. You can find me on Twitter at CandaceH901. Uh to the Isaac, send us home. Yeah, like I said, the Grizzlies be back on the home floor Tuesday night. We'll be back with post game uh, as, as they take on the Orlando Magic. And weirdly, that's and I'm not going to call it a rivalry because the Magic are in the Eastern Conference. They're not a good basketball team, but for some reason, these teams don't seem to like each other. They've been chippy yeah. in, in all these games. I think it kind of goes back to um, uh, the 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 play with Cole Anthony a couple. I think that's been a couple years ago. Now he had a game winner over Dylan Brooks, and he had a walk off interview where he's talking crazy, talking about it. If I get him out on the aisle, and nobody's safe, and all this, and I can't, I can't stand Cole Anthony, man. I, yeah. I kind of put him and him and Trey Young kind of in that same category. It's just annoying. At least Trey Anthony is a Trey. Trey Young is a pretty good player. Cole Anthony thinks he's like some kind of superstar. He's drawing the whole game. Thinks he's much better than he is. I just something about him just rubs me the wrong way. So I always like to beat the Orlando Magic, even though it's a bad team. So that should be a good one. These teams don't seem to like each other. I think Orlando wants to be the young team that the Grizzlies are, uh, yeah. they're, they're not quite there yet, but I think that kind of leads into it. So that should be a fun one on Tuesday night uh, over at, at FedEx Forum. But you can find me on Twitter at Isaac underscore underscore NBA. That's I-S-A-A-C underscore underscore NBA. You can find the show at Eat Those Grizzlies. Go over there and give us a like and a follow. We definitely appreciate that. Again, we'll be back tonight with the post day. Um, for Candace, this has been Isaac Simpson. And until next time, we're gone. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.